0: God provided the pillar of cloud by day to shade them from the hot sun and He provided the pillar of fire by night to keep them warm. When the cloud moved, the Israelites moved. When the cloud stopped, the Israelites stopped. Do they know where the cloud will lead them? No, they don't. Do you know what God is teaching the Israelites? as they pack, repack, move from place to place, he was teaching them obedience.
1: This might be one of the most common questions in Christianity. How do I know God's will for me? Is there a surefire way for me to do that? If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably asked and heard answers to this question before. So, are you clear on God's will for your life right now? If so, how do you know? And if not, how can you find out? Is it even possible for you to find that out? Hi, and welcome back to the Tried and True podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Nahr, and all throughout the month, Pastor Paul has been going through Philippians chapter 3, helping us understand Apostle Paul's own spiritual goals, and thus how we can imitate his strides towards godliness. Today, in verse 15, the Apostle picks up where he left off in the preceding verses, where he encouraged us to press on towards the prize that awaits every believer at the finish line of his or her life. He knows that the next question you'll ask yourself is... How do I know what exactly to tackle on my way to that finish line? Between now and then, where does God want me to be? Who does he want me to build relationships with? What role does he want me to perform? From the big to the small, we need direction. What kind of directions can we expect God to give us? Or are we left to wander aimlessly, hoping that things just work out in the end? Here's Pastor Paul to help us gain clarity on this topic.
0: I greet all of you in the blessed name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Today we will only consider Philippians 3 verse 15, just one verse. Allow me to read for you. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus-minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise-minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. The word, therefore, connects this verse to the preceding verses whereby the Apostle Paul talked about pressing toward the mark. And this mark is the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The only way the believer can press toward the mark is that he must forget those things which are behind, and reach forth onto those things which are before. The mark is the finishing line. You and I will never arrive at the finishing line until the day we die or be raptured. So as long as we are living, we have to press forward and move toward this finishing line. We have learned that in our previous message. But as we live our lives pressing toward the mark, as we live our lives on this earth, we still have to make decisions in regards to what we should do, what we should not do. We still have to make plans. In regards to our future, we still have to make choices as to which direction we should take. So we want to know what is God's will for us. And oftentimes, we are unsure of God's will. There are some things that are crystal clear about the will of God, because the Bible says, this is the will of God. For example, Galatians 1 verse 4 tells us, it is the will of God that we be saved. So today, if we are believers, we know that it is the will of God. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 15 says, it is the will of God that we submit to the authority. God does not want us to rebel against the authority. He wants us to submit ourselves to the authority. Unless the authority tells us to do something contrary to God's word. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 tells us it is the will of God that we be pure or sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 19 tells us that it is the will of God that we must trust God no matter what happens. So it is very clear that this is the will of God because the Bible says so. Like 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So when you and I give thanks to God for answering our prayers, for blessing us with so many good things, it is God's will. God wants us to be thankful. At other times, although we do not see this phrase, it is the will of God, but because God has commanded us to do certain things, we know that it is God's will for us. For example, when God commands us, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, since this command was given to, by God, it must be God's will for us. But what about instances whereby we do not see this phrase, it is the will of God, and there are no specific commandments, how do we know if it is God's will? What should we do? At times we may not understand or we may even struggle with the situations of life and then we start to think, is this God's will? What should I do? This is what we are going to learn from this one verse. The title of our message is How to Know the Will of God. Firstly, we want to begin with the first step. At the very onset, we want to focus on the believer's position. When Paul says, Let us therefore as many as be perfect, he was not speaking about spiritual perfection. Otherwise, he would be contradicting himself because just a moment ago, he said in the preceding verses that we are to press on toward the monk. As long as the believer is alive and still has breath in his lungs, he has not attained this spiritual perfection. And he will always be pursuing after this spiritual perfection. You see, the word perfection can mean two things, depending on the context. It can mean practical perfection or spiritual perfection. As I've said a moment ago, we will never attain spiritual perfection as long as we are alive. We will only attain spiritual perfection when we see our Lord Jesus face to face. But the word perfection can also mean positional perfection, as in the believer is positionally perfect in Christ. It is very similar to the word righteousness, which can mean two things, practical righteousness or positional righteousness. The believer is positionally righteous by virtue of Christ, by what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. So when God sees us, He sees us covered with the righteousness of His only begotten Son. But as we live our lives, every day we are always pursuing after practical righteousness. Here, the Apostle Paul was reminding the Philippians that you are believers, and as believers, you are positionally perfect in Christ. So, as many as be perfect, as many as be perfectly positioned in Christ. Oftentimes, people are only interested to know, what is God's will for me? Should I do this? Should I do that? Whether they should take up this job with this company, or that company, whether they should take up this course, or that course, whether they should live in this neighbourhood, or that neighbourhood. But at the very onset, they should be asking themselves whether they have truly believed in Jesus Christ, and receive Him as their Lord and Saviour. That is the starting point. Dear friends, if we have not truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then all those things we talk about seeking the will of God would mean absolutely nothing. We can forget about everything. Because for all eternity, we would be lost. A million upon a million years, we would be still tormenting in the eternal lake of fire. What to talk about the will of God? It will make no sense for us to talk about the will of God if we are not believers. We have to be positionally perfect in Christ. We have to be clothed with the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be saved in the first place. So if we are truly born again, we have truly believed and received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we are clothed with His righteousness, then the next consequential thing, is that we must also have the mind of Christ. If Christ has saved us, if the spirit of Christ lives in us, for the Bible tells us that if any man has not the spirit of him, Jesus Christ, he does not belong to him. So if we believe in God, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who is also the Spirit of Christ. And so the next consequential thing is that we must have the mind of Christ. As the Bible tells us, or Paul tells us, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be task-minded. So this leads us to our second point, the mind. To be task-minded means to have the same attitude, to think in the same way. The question is, to be task-minded as who? To think in the same way like who? If we are positionally perfect in Christ, if we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ, if the Spirit of Christ dwell in us, then the logical consequence is that we must think like Him. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that He may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul said, to the Corinthians. In other words, the believers have the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ means to look at things, to look at life, to look at the events, the situations, the circumstances from the Savior's point of view. It is to have his values and his desires in mind. It means to think as Jesus thinks. And our Lord Jesus always thinks according to the Bible. Because the Bible is the written word and he is the living word. The mind of Christ is always in line with the Bible. It does not contradict the Bible. You want to know the mind of Christ, then you must know his word. In the past, before our conversions, we used to think like the world, right? Our values, our desires, our mindsets, our attitudes, are all in line with the way the world thinks. We live our lives, eat, drink, and be merry. We live our lives as if this is the only life we have. We live our lives to accumulate as much as we can. But we forget that our lives are just like a vapor. It appears for a little time, and then vanishes away. And it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. But that is how the world thinks. We have the mind of a natural man, someone who is unconverted, unsafe, and unbeliever. As an unbeliever, we do not seek after the will of God. We do not have any concern about His will. We do not care about His will. In fact, we are hostile towards the things of God. As Romans 8 verse 7 tells us, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can be. The natural kind of man is always against God. He will not subject himself to God's commandments, to his will, even if he wants to. He cannot. The Bible said so. Neither can he. But once we are converted and saved by the grace of God, Once we are brought to the foot of the cross and we believe that the one that was crucified on the cross of Calvary who shed his precious blood, the one who was buried, the one who was risen on the third day, he's the only one who can save us. He died because of us. He was resurrected because of us. When we embrace him, believe in him, as our Lord and Savior, we become believers. We become new creations. When we become new creations, the Bible says, therefore, all things, the things that we used to think in the past, like the way the world thinks, all that must pass away, will pass away. Behold, all things are become new. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. It does not mean that once we are a new creation, all our old memories are erased. Like the way we delete our documents in a computer. We press a button, everything goes off. No, that does not happen. But there will be a radical change. There will be a transformation. And the first most noticeable thing that changed in our lives is the way we think. We start to think differently. Our values and desires slowly, no longer is inclined with the way the world thinks. We start to understand that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We begin to understand that God created us for His glory and we must live for His glory. So we want to know what is God's will for us. And we want to obey God's will for our lives. Whether it is in regards to our studies, our careers, our marriages, our families, our children, our future, etc. We want to know because we want to be in His will. We want to glorify Him. Our thinking starts to change. As Romans 12, verse 2 tells us, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that what is good and acceptable, and perfect will of God. So we no longer want to think like the way the world thinks. We want to think like Christ thinks. And the only way we are able to understand how Christ thinks is that we must know the word. That is why believers love the Bible believers love Bible study not just for hate knowledge but they want to know what their Lord and Savior thinks they want to know what is his will for their lives so the more they read the Bible the more they understand the mind of Christ the more they understand the mind of Christ the more they understand what Christ wants them to do. Christ speaks to them through his word and he reveals to them, this is what I think and this is what I want you to think as well. Dear friends, if we do not know the word of God, then it means we do not know the mind of Christ. What Christ thinks. If we do not know the mind of Christ, then it means we do not know what is God's will for our lives. They are all connected. Maybe you are a Christian for the past 30 years, or you have been a Christian for 10 years. The question you need to ask yourself is this. Do I think as my Lord Jesus thinks? Or do I still think as the world thinks? Do my thoughts, my actions, my words reflect that of a spiritual man or they reflect that of a carnal, natural man. You cannot be a Christian and yet think like the way the world thinks. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The first most noticeable change in our lives will be the way we think. We want to think like our Lord Jesus because we want to glorify him. If any thoughts that are contrary to his word, any speech that is against his word, any actions that will compromise our faith, that we will not participate. We want to dwell on things that our Lord Jesus will want us to dwell in. But even if we know the word of God, of course, no man can perfectly know the Bible, right? Only to a certain extent. That does not mean also that we are able to discern God's will perfectly. You see, God wants us to know His will. That is why He has given to us the Bible. And when we have this desire to know and follow His will through His word, He will guide and lead us. He will help us to understand His will. And then He will also give us the power that we may obey His will, that we may live out his truth. If I may give you an illustration, we are just like a pilot flying the plane in the air. The pilot cannot see what is coming, especially in bad weather. At best, he can only see about 100 miles. Yet he can fly his plane safely in all kinds of weather. Why? Because of the radar. If he deviates either to the right or he deviates to the left, the radar will warn him and guide him to the right path accordingly. In a similar fashion, When we deviate from God's will, when you and I desire to follow his will, but there are times when in our weaknesses we deviate, whether it be to the right, to the left, God will warn us. God will guide us through his word and then point us to the right path through the wonder-working of His Spirit to show us this is the way to go, my son, my daughter. Don't deviate. Come back. That is the reason why Paul says you must be task minded You must think the way Christ thinks, which is in accordance to God's Word, you must understand what is the will of God for your life. But if in anything ye be otherwise minded, which means if in anything you think differently or you deviate from the truth or you do not understand, well, God shall reveal even this unto you. Dear friends, isn't it true that oftentimes we are at a loss? In regards to God's will, we struggle to understand how can this be God's will? So much so that we think otherwise. We think the opposite. This cannot be God's will. How can it be? In such times, our God, he will guide and lead us and reveal to us his will. I would like to give you a classic spiritual lesson that we can draw from the lives of the Israelites. I think many of you will be very familiar with the Israelites in the wilderness, Right? When they came out of Egypt, they were a great multitude. The Bible tells us about 600,000 men, excluding the women and children. So altogether, there could be about 2 or 3 million Israelites. As they were led out of Egypt into the wilderness, the weather in the desert could sometimes be 100 degrees in the daytime, and then it could be freezing point at night. In those circumstances, the people would have perished if not for God, if not for the almighty God who protected them. God provided the pillar of cloud by day to shade them from the hot sun, and he provided the pillar of fire by night to keep them warm. When the cloud moved, the Israelites moved. When the cloud stopped, the Israelites stopped. This is what the Bible says in Exodus 40, verse 36 to 37. Let me read for you. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day it was taken up. So they moved only when the cloud moved. They stopped when the cloud stopped. You can imagine how the people would have followed the cloud in the wilderness. Sometimes the cloud would move often and at other times it would not move at all. Take a moment and consider this. Surely there will be times when the Israelite families will come to a stop under the guidance of the cloud in the middle of a hot afternoon. And then they would immediately start to set up their tents, unpack their things. And then all of a sudden, when they look up, the clouds start to move. What must they do? They would have to pack up their tanks, repack their things and move on. One hour later, the cloud might stop, and they will be thinking, should we unpack, build our tents, or should we just wait and see? Well, this time, the cloud might stay all day and perhaps the next day and for that particular week. And just when they thought that, well, we are here to stay for good, all of a sudden, the cloud will move again and they have to take down their tents, repack their things, and move accordingly. Do they know where the cloud will lead them? No, they don't. Do they struggle each time they thought the cloud would stop for good, and then all of a sudden, it moved? Do they struggle Each time they have to pack and unpack their tents and their personal things? Oh, certainly. But one thing they know, they must follow the cloud because that was the only way God would lead and protect them. Do you know what God's teaching the Israelites, as they pack, repack, move from place to place, he was teaching them obedience. He was training them to obey his leading step by step, moment by moment, all the way until one day, they will reach the promised land. And then they will be able to conquer the promised land. At every step of the way, God was teaching them, follow me. Yes, you may have to pack, unpack, move. You obey. And I will lead you faithfully into the promised land. It is the same thing with all of us too. There are times whereby we do not understand where God is leading us. Why would God lead us into this ministry and then all of a sudden he leads us into another ministry? Why would God lead us to Australia? And then he wants us to move back to our homeland again. We cannot understand. We cannot understand why God would allow certain things to happen in our lives. We want to serve him. But why are we inflicted with sickness? Why are we faced with troubles and trials? Just when we thought the ministry is going well, all of a sudden we face tremendous problems we cannot understand. There are times when we struggle with certain things that God has led us. He seems to have led us into a particular path and we thought we are here to stay for good. This is perhaps the best job. This is the best neighborhood. And then all of a sudden, we have to pack our things and go. Yes, we may not understand. We may struggle. But like the Israelites, one thing we must know, where He leads, we follow. And as we follow, God is teaching us obedience. He is training us for our spiritual good. And as we trust Him, as we obey Him, as we follow Him, He will guide and lead us all the way, step by step, until our final destination. That is our promised land, in heaven. Therefore, when we do not understand, at times when we face trouble, when we think otherwise, we think the opposite, we humble ourselves and know that nothing happens by chance or by coincidence but by God's appointment. If God allows this thing into my life, He has a purpose, And he will lead me and so we pray lord even though i do not understand even though at times i may struggle with it but one thing i do know i must follow you and i must obey your word i'm a believer positionally i'm in christ I know thy word and I know the mind of Christ revealed to me in his word I know this is God's will for me although I struggle with it but I will follow I will submit I will obey lead me as I move forward you know the Bible says God will surely reveal it to you. God will make you understand that, my son, my daughter, this is what I want you to do. Do it, follow me, and I will lead you on. I pray that all of us here will follow him, no matter what happens. He will lead us every step of the way until we reach home. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank Thee for enabling us to consider even this one verse in Philippians 3, verse 15. Help us, O Lord, for at times we may struggle to understand. We know thy word. We know thou hast revealed to us thy truth. But we are not perfect. There are many things we do not understand, especially the events, circumstances, and situations of life that can be so adverse that we think otherwise. We think the opposite. O Lord, Thou hast said in Thy Word, in such times, in anything that we think otherwise, Thou will reveal them to us, show it to us, and we will follow. But even if we struggle with understanding. We want to learn to be like the Israelites. Where thou leads, we will go. We will follow. We move when thou called us to move. We stop when thou called us to stop. And we know that nothing happens by chance or coincidence but by thy appointment. And if thou allow certain things to happen in our lives, Thou has a purpose, and we humble ourselves before Thee. We will submit, we will obey, we will follow. Lead us until the day we reach our promised land, that is heaven. In Jesus' name we
1: pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Paul Cheng from his series on the Epistle to the Philippians. Indeed, it's comforting to know that God doesn't taunt us with mere hints at his will, only for us to helplessly struggle through life, unsure of ourselves and unclear on the right way forward. If we see ourselves like the Israelites, completely dependent on God leading us through the wilderness of this life, then it's not a matter of straining ourselves to decipher the mystery of God's will, Instead, it's a matter of humbly, obediently submitting to whatever green light we receive for the day ahead of us, knowing that even to stand still, to trust in and wait upon God is itself a part of his will for us. Next Sunday, Pastor takes a break from this study in Philippians to look at the solution to spiritual lethargy, the prayer of the Christian who knows they're not on fire for God. How do you break out of a spiritual slump? Find out next time here on Tried and True.